Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the Technodrome, I'll be your radical rat, Dave Drumbor. Joining me as always, <laughs> my co-host and a party dude, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, party dude? Ah, oh, cowabunga, Dave. How are you doing, brah? <laughs> I'm doing good. Sound like you've been hitting a little bit of that turtle weed over there. Everything all right? It's going pretty well. Going pretty yeah, good. I'm doing. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. I feel like we might need some sort of uh, medical assistance by the end of this show. Uh, well, we can because surfing down the half pipe is Dr. Jason Woods. Hey, Dr. Jason Woods. Thanks for having me, guys. Long time listener, first time caster. <laughs> this is gonna be great. We're putting uh, the doc trial by fire here. Now, I just want to be clear, Jason. You, uh, your background is in turtle medicine. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, can you tell 100% us? Uh, subspecialty, like a decade of training after school. Can you tell I. us a little bit about turtle medicine? It's not an uh, yeah, so, area that I'm familiar with. So, so really, uh, the thing that I specialize in is identifying turtle gender immediately after birth, uh, which is real difficult. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of tiny calipers and, and toothpicks. Any tips for the listeners out there? Is this something you could do no, in no, your no, own home? No, 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 you need to leave or? this to the experts. Oh, so don't, it's not a DIY situation? <laughs> no, it's not a DIY situation. You can't Google this. No, don't Google it either. Listeners out there, don't Google that. Put it down. Put your Google down. It's a, it's a very strange part of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we've seen plenty of those, but yeah, this could be a weird one. Uh, no, we, yeah, brought, just... uh, we brought Jason in this week because we're going to be talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, of course. We needed the experts for this one. Sean and I, we consider ourselves experts in all things cartoons, but uh, you know, we need a little, a little extra expertise on this one. So uh, brought Jason in to uh, talk TMNT. And, thank uh, you. This was one of my favorites from childhood. And, and thankfully, uh, Dr. Woods is a longtime friend of ours, so it is a pleasure to have him on the show. Yeah, and also a squatter in Sean's house right now, so he <laughs> sort of had to have me on. We didn't have a choice. Uh, no, Jason, was this, one of your, was this your suggestion, actually? I think it's been Absolutely. on our list for a while, but yeah, this was brought to you by us. Yeah. Yeah, this, this was one that I really wanted to do and wanted to be a part of. Uh, I feel like this was the... The cartoon that I owned the most action figures and toys from yes. as a kid, nice. uh, and probably watched the most times on uh, videotapes that were semi illegally recorded from TV. Gotcha. Well, it's fine. Nobody listens to this, so they're not going to come after you with any copyright infringement or anything. <laughs> It'll be fine. I don't know what the statute limitations are. <laughs> I think thirty years is probably pretty good. I mean, as long as you don't say like any keywords that people would ever search or try to index this, like FBI, CIA, Snowden. FCC, <laughs> yeah, pirating. <laughs> We're fine. No, but I'm, I'm curious, though, for both of you guys, before we get into the history of this, was it just the cartoon itself that was your familiarity, or were the comics, or maybe the, the toys? What was your first kind of introduction, Jason? So my, my first introduction was the cartoons. I never was a big comic book guy. I, I just didn't get into them. Yeah. Uh, but I watched a lot of cartoons on TV. Um, in fact, the very first Halloween costume that I can ever remember, like demanding that be bought from the store, uh, was one for Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. It was one of those ones that looks Hell like yeah. a human-sized plastic bag yeah, that's yeah. just been painted on the front of it, <laughs> and it it lasted a grand total of the first house. Oh, I walked man. up to it, walked away from it, fell down, split the suit from crotch to chest, and then we had to go home. Worst Halloween ever. Did your mom so, have a backup costume? Uh, my dad duct taped it, and then oh, okay. we went back out. All so. right. So kudos, you could your, your cover story could have just been like, "Oh, I'm Raphael who just got out of a fight with Shredder." Yeah, absolutely. Just saying. really, 
got split from Stem neck stern, yeah. from exactly. <laughs> just eviscerated turtle costume. <laughs> I was a little too young. I wish I'd thought about that. I could have just painted that up with blood. Oh god. Yeah. Fantastic. Zombie zombie turtle. Blood and turtle guts. Blood, zombie blood turtle. turtle guts. That actually would have been closer to the uh, the original comics from what I understand. They were originally like a little more adult, a little more serious, a little darker. But before I get too much into that, uh, Sean's going to walk us through the history of TMNT. Sure thing. So this was created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in 1984. The concept arose from a drawing sketched out by Eastman during an evening of brainstorming and bad TV with Laird. The young artist self-published a single-issue comic intending to parody four of the most popular comics in the early 1980s, Marvel's comic Daredevil and New Mutants, Dave Sims' Cerebus, and Frank Miller's Ronin. The characters then originated in comic books published by Mirage Studios before expanding into cartoon series, film, video games, toys, and other general merchandise. During the peak of the franchise's popularity in the late 1980s and early 90s, it gained worldwide success and fame. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's what most people are familiar with it from, is this first run of the cartoons, and then more recently, and in the 90s as well, the live-action TV era, the live-action movies. Um, Those were so good. Uh, good and bad. I'll leave, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I mean, I look, will rewatch those over and over again. I gotta agree with Jay. I gotta agree with Dr. I'll Wilson. say the first ninja, the first ninja, rap. Anytime you bring vanilla ice into the situation. I mean, I said, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go, go ninja, go you can't, ninja, You can't ninja, say that go. without somebody else jumping into it immediately. That's, That's how good it is. And that was Secret of the Ooze. That was the second one. That wasn't even the first one. That was Aziz Ansari who just stepped into the studio for us telling us about Secret <laughs> of the Ooze, by the way. <laughs> that's how good it Come is. Come on. That's how good it is. <laughs> Turns out that's what every voice in this entire cartoon sounded like. <laughs> But that was my story. <laughs> In some way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was surprisingly of... difficult to like, tell them apart. I remember as a kid, I thought it was much more like disparate than that. I thought you could tell voices. I thought they were a little gruffer. I think I was thinking of the, uh, the movie, though. Because the movie definitely had their personalities come through a little stronger. I was definitely thinking of the live-action yeah. movies, and when they began talking in the cartoon, my brain was like, wait, no, this, this, doesn't, make, this doesn't make any sense right yeah. now. What's, what's going on? Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong version of Ninja Turtles. Well, there's I'm... so many, though. That's the problem. So to focus everybody in on this one, we are talking about the 80s cartoon series. We'll, we'll talk about a couple different episodes from that as well, but I'm going to walk you guys through the synopsis in case you're not familiar with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, often shortened to TMNT or just plain old Ninja Turtles, these characters are four fictional, if you can believe it, teenage anthropomorphic turtles named after four Renaissance Italian artists. They were trained by their anthropomorphic rat sensei, Splinter, in the art of ninjutsu. From their home in the sewers of New York City, they battle petty criminals, evil overlords, mutated animals, and alien invaders while attempting to remain hidden from society. Uh, this synopsis doesn't mention it, but their favorite food is pizza. That's pretty much all you need to know about Ninja Turtles, if you didn't already. That should, that should go without <laughs> it's saying It's the only part of the story of any of these episodes that will make sense. Yeah, nothing else makes sense. Is the pizza? Yeah, that's how they ground everything. Yeah, yeah I know. Through pizza. It's like, a, it's like a national tragedy when they don't have pepperoni in the house. It's I an know. actual thing that happened. You have to think, though, in terms of food in America mm -hmm. that is universally accessible, easy to find and or yeah. make, and everybody enjoys it, what is better than pizza? Uh, I'd say meatloaf, but other than that, probably pizza. Can you get delivery style takeout meatloaf whenever you want? Yeah, can't you? 
Is that a... Yeah, no. That, no, I can... <laughs> is that weird? I don't think so. I also think meatloaf is a little difficult to chew with a beak, so I think that's the reason they had to go with pizza. A beak. But did they have a beak? It just he's a doctor. Like, he's a turtle like doctor. A, you don't question him. Like, if he says I'm a turtle yeah, doctor, yeah, he's, he's right. To me. He's right. Damn it! The cartoon did make it look like they were just gumming it, like an eighty-year-old <laughs> at a nursing home. They were, they were just kind of mushmouth turtle monsters. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually the first title. It did not make it through. Mushmouth turtle teenage monsters. Mutant, teenage mutant. Teen, mushmouth ninjas. <laughs> Mum tum didn't didn't quite roll off the tongue. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Woodsy already told us. I'm going to assume that Raph, Raphael was your favorite turtle growing up. Is that right? No. So Hold on. So I you actually... dressed as Raphael for Halloween. Yeah. Well, we, actually, we, were actually, so... we were actually talking about this upstairs. So by the, by the time that I asked for this, and I desperately wanted it to be Leonardo, the only color left in the store was Raphael. There, there was a... This was a seminal moment in my life. And I remember um, really, uh, maybe this says something about the, the level of ego that I held even as a small child, but, uh, but I always viewed myself as Leonardo. The only part that he gets in the theme song, it just says Leonardo leads. Done. That's all you need to know about Leo. <laughs> Take that as you will. Uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I definitely like Raphael more. I appreciate his humor. He's the, he was the only part of any of these episodes that I found uh, uh, rewarding. Now, is it because he's rude? He's cool but rude. Is that why? He is. He's cool but rude. I always thought, now Allison and I, my girlfriend and I got in a conversation. I always thought growing up that Raphael was cool but crude. And she nearly broke up with me because of that. Because she was so upset (laughs) that I thought Rightfully so, Allison. She was right. She was right. Uh, So cool but rude. Uh, So Woodsy wants to be the leader, wants to be Leo. Got stuck with Raph costume. Uh, that's got to mess up your psyche as a kid there. Not only did you get it stuck really with the tough. last costume in the store, but it got sh- shredded within moments of trick-or-treating. <laughs> that's rough, man. I, I wish that I had had the, uh, the awareness when it happened to walk back into the house and go, See, Mom! Yeah. I told you I needed Leo. Yeah, that guilt trip would have been real, real sweet right then. I bet you get to eat all that candy, though, that night, so that's good. I did. I got to eat all the candy. Uh, Sean, what about you, buddy? Did you have a favorite growing up? I did. So I always thought that because of his love of pizza, that I was more, that I, I more self-identified with Mikey. Yeah. But truthfully, I, I am through and through Raphael. Interesting. So you guys both, I, both identified with a different turtle to begin with and have gravitated towards Raphael. Right. I actually, uh, I, I was invited by a friend. Uh, his name is Pete Miller. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to go to a, uh, a large gala that is for a theater company called Woolly Mammoth that's in the D.C. area. And because it was a gala and the, you could go in a masquerade type costume, uh, I went out and actually purchased a red mask and I found a child's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shell and pair of size. And, uh, and Melanie Harker, a friend of the show, she, uh, she sewed and trimmed it down so that it would actually fit somebody who is not between five and nine years of age so it would fit a 35-year-old man and I could go to a gala as intended uh, as, as a Ninja Turtle as Raphael <laughs> nicely done I like that you guys both yeah. ended up as Raph in your 30s <laughs> I don't know what that says about you what but... about what it... but what I'm about you ask you guys who do you think I uh, am now and who do you think I, I gravitated towards as a kid there's one answer and I there's got no this question one. I oh. think Ooh. Donatello. What about you, Sean? I was going to say Donatello. Yeah, you guys know me pretty well. 
He's uh, the nerdy tech guy of the group, always messing around with the mach- machines. The theme song says he actually does machines, which I was didn't really like so much. But uh. I was gonna bring this up because I, I really feel like they needed uh, like a thirteen year old boy to listen to their theme song, and anytime he giggled, they had to cut <laughs> just that like nope, line. that's not gonna work <laughs> because <laughs> no. I love that in, in the theme song though, which we'll talk about in a second. We kind of switched our order around, but um, I love in the theme song Donatello is working on this huge machine that they kind of like pan down. And you don't know what it is, right. and it ends up being this massive, like, room-sized machine that's just making a little cup of, like, espresso. Uh, right. I don't think I laughed at that as a kid, but now watching it as an adult, I find that hilarious. Um, I, I truthfully thought when... I, I didn't know because I didn't have... I, I didn't really begin drinking coffee until I was in college. Yeah, I don't think and we so, drank coffee as, like, five-year-olds. Right. And so I, I would not have conceptualized that. And so... I thought for the longest time that he was working on like a printing press. <laughs> That's what it looks I like. I thought it was like a giant a printing press. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really legitimately thought that's what I just thought he was like, like yeah, okay, that just, makes... just like squeezing out ink into a cup or something. I, I don't know. I, like, I, I guess it was the, because that cutscene in the, the intro happens so quickly and the machine just kind of explodes on him. Like it's not really making an, a cup of espresso. No, it's like it's one just... drip and then just blows up. Yeah. Yeah it's, just, yeah, it's just exploding on him. And yeah, so. I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, I still, as an adult, assumed that it was outputting like liquid cheese for pizza making purposes. <laughs> a, li- uh, a liquid cheese. Liquid machine. cheese. Yeah. I love our, yeah, uh, um, our analysis. I'm not of proud of this. I'm just now realizing that he's making coffee. <laughs> liquid cheese. But, but like, no, but uh, you um, know what? To, to like, I understand where Dave's coming from because watching it, watching the show now, I was like. Great coffee machine, like you know, like, like overcomplicated espresso. espresso machine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but at no point in the show <laughs> was was anybody ever like, "Hey, bro, want to go to a Starbucks?" True. Like that, like never happened. It never. They were just like, "Let's." It was Calabunga. Let's get some pizza. Oh no, there's the shredder. Uh, Krang's doing something crazy. Like that was it. You know, it wasn't like, "Hey, man, like we need to refuel and get our Java on." You're like, who the are you that's i think that's why a lot of people didn't like donatello he was a little snootier than the rest of them he was always kind of like off on his own doing machine stuff uh, i do i do have a halloween story though for you as well it's not quite as sad as oh, Woodsy's. it was basically just like a homemade costume my mom made it out of like who even knows at this point and probably in my head it was a lot cooler than it actually was in reality i just love the fact that okay. she gave me a uh like a broomstick to use as a bow staff so she basically <laughs> sent me out into the neighborhood with a fucking weapon and i think that's badass because i'm sure i spun it around and broke something that i wasn't supposed to probably like some kid's skull or a bag of candy one of the two i mean if you break a kid's skull candy usually comes yeah out on, halloween, on halloween definitely it's like a pinata i had forgotten until rewatching this cartoon just how often everybody else in the show screws up and it's only donatello and his inventions that sort of fix anything they're always looking back towards his tech inventions and that's kind of what like what saves the day or what gets them where they're yeah. going. Um, I'm, I'm sort of embarrassed that I wanted to be Leo because he's a terrible leader. I mean, that's, that's like the curse of all leaders though. Like most times people, when they're watching cartoons, like nobody likes Cyclops because he's the leader. Nobody likes Leo because he's the leader. It's like a burden that's put on them. And I think that he does okay, but there's no sort of sense of actual leadership in the show because it's not the way it's written. He's just like, Oh, he's the leader. He leads. All these other guys do all the other cool stuff. So, or is he such a good leader oh that he's managed to delegate oh out boy. to everybody 
and play to their strengths. I like that. Right, yeah, we'll uh, go with that idea. We'll go with that. He's leading them without them even knowing it. Yeah. yeah. Which is what... That is, that is the mark of a true leader. I think that's actually what Somebody's Splinter's doing with Leo. He's just kind of like, this guy doesn't have any skills whatsoever, so... Hey, you're the leader. <laughs> good, good job, Leo. Where's the easiest place to hide you in this <laughs> operation? Out, out front. <laughs> right at the top. How can I? How can I instill my values and ideals into this husk of a turtle <laughs> and have him carry out my will? Who knew that a, a <laughs> tiny little turtle would grow up to be such a worthless mutant creature? <laughs> well, worthless mutant ninja turtles was, was, oh, that that was a the name, name that did but not it was taken. So, so actually, going back to their origin real quick, it's been a while since I watched it. Uh, Jason, I know you had a chance. Sean, did you have a chance to watch like their their origin story again? I did not. I did not get it. Right, so we'll it. default yeah, to so Woodsy for this one. I I sort of remember yeah. all of it because as as we mentioned earlier about the comic books, I read a ton of Ninja Turtle oh, comic cool. books and and actually have. I have to agree with Jason. I have probably more Ninja Turtle action figures out in my garage Heck right yeah. now than any. Than, well, maybe Jurassic Park. Maybe Jurassic Park's maybe the really? second. Not GI Joe yeah. or like. He man, I, I have I have so many Jurassic Park wow. action figures. It's embarrassing. I didn't know there were them, but okay. Like I have the compound. <laughs> See now, I now if we're getting, if we're doing if we're measuring our toy sticks here, uh, Ooh, let's measure. I had the Technodrome, and my mom fought my dad oh. tooth and nail uh, one Christmas. She was so pissed when I opened up that box on Christmas morning. She didn't know what it was because he spent like eighty bucks on a Technodrome. This just Ooh, hunk of man. plastic with a fucking eye at the top that rolled off. <laughs> I mean, it was great. I loved it as a kid. But uh, looking yeah. back at it now, man, it's like, why on earth would you ever spend that kind of money for this kind of thing? But it was yeah. fun. It was fun. But and then as a kid, you love those things. Like, oh, they're yeah. exciting. It was, it was magical. And... I mean, it was amazing. And, and I remember for measuring, again, for measuring toy yeah. sticks, um, I had the the uh, the real Ghostbusters. It was the Firehouse. Oh yeah, yeah. My had... neighbor had that. We kind of like would different franchises or different shows. He would have badass toys from one thing, and I would have pretty decent toys from another. Yeah, it was just always fun. Those like those. I love that. Those I love sets. that your point of uh, mentioning that Firehouse was just to say that you had the Ghostbusters Firehouse. No, uh, no, I also no, had the I, Ghostbusters I just, Firehouse. No, I, I, oh my god, shut up. So, <laughs> Sean, do you want to give us a list of all the other awesome toys you have that have nothing to do with our discussion today? Oh, I, I, this, no, is gonna, this is going to turn I, into I just it, a toy podcast. I, I do have a point. I do have a point, <laughs> assholes. So the, the point of this is that, uh, is that those, those environments, yeah. like those specific like, uh, action figure environments yeah, settings, that they yeah. had, I always thought were really cool. Because you could, have, you could have a couple of the toys, and those are always fun. But I mean, having some of the vehicles or having like one of the, the play sets, those were always. Uh, kind of what what made sort of the the interaction with those action figures like really rewarding. So, yeah, it was just a, it was a cool place for your imagination to kind of take root. But go ahead, Woodsy. Exactly. For the for the turtles, they actually had a sewer replica right. um, that had like um, almost like a silly putty consistency ooze that you could oh, buy. Oh God, like, I remember. Way. I remember that it had ooze, almost dude. like you could buy it in like. In tub because it just got yes all it was huge yeah, yeah. and like gelatinous yeah. and then almost like the the play-doh thing like you loaded it into a <laughs> cylinder and then pushed a plunger yep. down on top of it and it would like flow out through the sewer messiest yep. thing ever i think my parents regretted it immediately because <laughs> i got that shit everywhere it was like, gag, I like how you, right? it was almost like nickelodeon gag. it was yeah, yeah yeah i like how jason very in a, in a very sneaky fashion brought in that he he 
like dropped that he had that toy as well. <laughs> See, he just one upped us both, but he did it in a classic. I know. Way. I'm yeah. so, classy so guy. proud of him. Speak softly and carry a big toy big stick. Big toy stick. <laughs> That's the message of the podcast. Uh, so once we're done talking about toys here for a second, at least momentarily, uh, Woodsy, t- tell, yeah, us about, tell us about the origin of these turtles because I can kind of remember it. I remember snippets of like the little turtles crawling around in the ooze, but specifically, bring us back to that moment of their creation. Yeah, so I like I watched the first two episodes of the series, even though we aren't uh, strictly reviewing them right. today, just to to get a sense of what was going on. And I kind of like that the series uh, largely just drops you in; it drops you right into a to an action scene um, where the turtles need to save April O'Neil, and they just kind of are there. Okay. Um, and then a couple minutes into the show, she realizes that she's hanging out with mutant turtles and needs to ask where they came sure. from. Um, so that was great. <laughs> now, what wasn't great is that the way they explained that was within just like 90 straight seconds of exposition. Uh-huh. Um, and then the show <laughs> moved on. But the, but the way it happened um, is, you know, Splinter and uh, Shredder and their previous personas were both um, competing for the leadership of uh, Martial Arts Academy in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Splinter had won. Shredder, not liking this, embarrassed him publicly, and, and I love the way he did this. So they're both uh, like a master sensei uh, came to visit their, their uh, studio, and they're both kneeling down, and everybody else in the studio sort of bows down as a, as a matter of respect, and Shredder takes out a knife and sticks it in the, the like, top of the, the gi of, of Splinter so he can't bend down, and he gets banished because he, he didn't, like, genuflect appropriately. Wow. No, oh I didn't remember God. that um, at all. That's crazy. Yeah. And so he gets banished to the United States. He is poor and living in the sewers where his only friends are, the rats. Yeah. Um, and this unfortunate little kid happens to be walking by above him, trips and drops a glass bowl that contains four turtles and they fall down on top of him and then like randomly they just also happen to crawl through (laughs) some ooze Uh, and it says that they had turned into the creature that they had most recently been interacting with Uh, so the turtles turned more like human and splinter turned more like a rat and that was how it sure i'll buy that that sounds scientifically plausible so let me let me ask the obvious question is that plausible science as a turtle expert myself, absolutely. Okay. That's what I want so to know. So as a turtle expert, we'll know. have to bring in an ooze expert at some point and see if your opinions <laughs> add up. If they match. If they match up. And the ooze expert. I love, I love these, uh, these cartoon just kind of creations. Just ooze. Ooze sounds good. It's a good, creepy name. I love that they turned it into like a marketing product that just basically gack. Uh, no, that was that was always good stuff. I love the ooze. And then they, they used it in the movies too. I think they even used it yeah. in the more recent ones. But uh I don't know to how well the effect actually was, but good time. I, I guess I'd be curious to go back and check and see if the ooze compound itself has ever been further defined within the the series, within the I think it was. Like if memory serves correct, there was kind of like um in one episode that we talk, we're going to talk about tonight, there's like a gun that's a retro mutagen ray, so it actually reverses the effects of the right. ooze. But I think, I think they went back into it and then tried to like explain, I'm using air quotes, but tried to explain like the effects of the ooze and how it was created and how it got into the hands of, or how it got onto the turtles and, and who used it to create other mutant monstrosities that will you know be introduced to the series um, over time. So I think they did actually go back to it. I just don't remember the specifics of it. 
But according to our turtle doctor, that is very plausible. So just be careful with your pets and your ooze, and don't drop either of those things. Definitely not both of those things down the sewer. Uh, I mean, if you walk away, if you walk away with one thing tonight, yeah. do not put your pets and your ooze in the same place at no, the same time. You're gonna have a bad time. Big, Big problem. It's good life advice. Uh, the only time that <laughs> the only time that I remember the the secret of the ooze being further delineated was it was in the second of the live action exactly. movies. Um, I don't remember yeah. any other time where they actually talk about it, and even there, they just sort of say that it was a creation from a scientific laboratory that was I, supposed to be disposed. I love of, that. So. I love that they just walk over it like, eh, scientific uh, lab creation. Bada bing, bada boom. You got your ooze. But you have to realize that, like, when you're in the sewer where they were and hanging out, everything down there it's is all ooze. I I need. We got to come back to that because there are some real gross things that happen in these cartoons. <laughs> Oh god! These episodes we watched it, I was like, oh. I know, I know exactly what you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about, and like my hand washing OCD yep. went off yep. the charts. I was like, Turtles are gross. Remember that, kids. <laughs> These things are disgusting. Is April wearing Teflon? She never seems to stain. How is that possible? That's true. That's true. That uh, that yellow jumpsuit is uh, Scotchgard. A lot of Scotchgard. Ooh. Fair enough. All right, let's jump back to the theme song here because we kind of we glossed over that a little bit. Now, this one, you guys, I mean, if you've seen one cartoon, then you know the Turtles theme song. It's one that you could probably just sing right now. It's one that we've already mentioned kind of offhand because they, they describe, they give the basic, very basic attributes of each of the Turtles here. Uh, we know that Leonardo leads. We know that Donatella does machines. Uh, we know that Raphael is cool but rude. And from Sean's introduction, we know that Michelangelo is a party dude. Uh, is there anything else we can kind of glean from this theme song there, Sean? You know, I really think that this theme song, after having taken a hiatus from my ears for roughly 20 years, the second it came back on, I immediately remembered the entire yep. theme song without any problem. I think that before listening to it, I could have probably recited it close to flawlessly without having listened to it. Yeah, it's taken up uh, uh, it's, definite hard drive space in our brains, for sure, and it always yeah. will. I mean, this theme song is definitely iconic. It does a great job of kind of setting the tone and introducing those characters and letting you know what a portion of their personality quirks are going to be that they're going to play yep. with on the show. And it introduces some of the, the bad guys, you know? And, and I think it sets up everything up. I think that it sets everything up very well and kind of brings you into the show. And... It's just so entertaining and fun. Like I, I, I hate to say it, but there's rarely like a, a show that I'm just like, yeah. Even even pre-show, Dave is just sitting around just doing like the. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, and now it's in your head. And like yeah. it is immediately you pick up on it. It's it's such an earworm. I love it. No, it's great. We watched this episode together here, Sean yeah. and I, and the moment that the theme song starts playing, Sean starts bouncing up and down in his chair like a, like a little kid yeah. that just can't control himself. Did he have a bowl of cereal in his hands at the time? No, he, he should have. Should've. Both of you should have. So, so I, let me ask, let me ask so, this because I know that we're talking about theme songs, and so do you have fond memories of watching this show and, and the theme song coming on on a Saturday morning or on a weekday afternoon? Uh, I'm really trying to remember now. And my memory is probably going to be compared to the internet and found wrong. So I really don't know which one it was. It was probably both. I feel like I definitely okay. watched, if not the first run, then reruns in the mornings and then definitely on like afternoon. Okay. Cause I have, a, I have an extremely distinct okay. memory of, 
getting off the school bus one day and I was in fourth grade and I went over to uh, like after school in the neighborhood that we were in, there was uh, one mother who kind of watched, you know, like four or five families, children uh, as their parents were coming home. And, and Mrs. Rankin kind of had all of us there and we all knew that Ninja Turtles was coming on for the first time and we all got excited. And this was like, this was like a, like a, a party for us as like eight-year-olds who were like, this is coming on right now. We are now getting a chance to watch this. And we'd never seen anything like this before, you know, but they, they had uh, during that like after school cartoon block, they had promos saying tomorrow Ninja Turtles is coming on. Check it out, kids. And we got really pumped about it. And so I, I like, I, I remember watching at least within the first couple episodes and being like, I can't believe I'm watching this. This is phenomenal. See, that's interesting because one of the reasons we picked this uh, series to talk about, not only because Jason was going to be our guest, but because it's going to kick off a month of uh, CBS Kids TV Saturday morning block. So TMNT was actually part of the CBS Saturday morning programming for a time, but they rotated shows out. So depending on how old you are, depending on what you were watching at the time, you may have missed it on Saturday morning cartoons. So I... I honestly can't remember. Jason, do you know if you watch the Saturday mornings, reruns in the afternoons, whatever, whatever it was? Uh, I'm sitting here trying yeah. to remember, and uh, I feel like it was Saturday mornings, um, but I, I have no idea. I mean, I remember watching it weekday afternoons, but then I also remember watching it then, like, shortly after on Saturday mornings. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I watched it on, I watched it definitely on both. Yeah, I think this thing and was so, all over the place because it was so popular, right. and uh, they had already had all the shows produced at that point. Um, so yeah, right. they just ran it, not into the ground, they actually ran it pretty well for a very long time and many different iterations. Right. This first run of the cartoons had a lot more seasons than I've remembered. Like, really? I, I feel like most of the cartoons from our childhood uh, ran for two or three seasons and then they just did reruns for years. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the original run of this cartoon series was 10 seasons? It was definitely on for a long time. Um... And I don't know if they were all like, if it was the 26 episode seasons or, or what they were, but uh, yeah, let's, let's look it up here. Because we're so used to uh, older cartoons where they would do like that 65 episodes so that they could hit that syndication mark, but they would do one season, 65 episodes. Like, this is insane. So the original run is listed as being on from uh, 1987 to 1996. Yeah, that's what I have too. Um, not all of those were so 194 total episodes, but but like the first season was was only five episodes. So they they right. chopped those up a little bit, but that ran a lot longer than I would have expected based on how short the other TV series. It's actually were. kind of funny that the first season was only five episodes because that explains why the uh, episode that we watched tonight they were only getting to certain plot points for the first time. <laughs> like you were only meeting certain characters for the first time. I'm like, you've had the whole season to get through this, but it was only five episodes long. So that explains it. Before we jump into that episode, uh, as far as characters go, we hit the main guys. Are there any villains that you guys would like to talk about, whether we watch them on the show, the episodes tonight, or just any that kind of jump out of you from your childhood? I have very clear memories. I never owned the Shredder action figure for some Dude, reason. Dude, I think I had like I had, multiples of him because I just randomly I had, had extra. Are you yeah. I had Bebop I and Rocksteady. Oh, yeah. And so most of my memories are because those were the toys I had. So they were always the bad guys in, uh, in any game that we played, you know, like just, just make-believe. Yeah. Um, and so I, they, 
So for a long time, uh, as an adult dream, I have wanted to have a pair of dogs at the same time and name them Bebop and nice. Rocksteady. Make it happen. They, uh, adopt a shelter dog near you. But I was happy that they are introduced very oh, yeah. quickly. Yeah, definitely. I literally have one of those action figures in the closet that you can see behind me uh, who's missing a forearm. So it's a little disturbing. He looks like he's really been through the ringer. Um, but I just want to put like a hook on the end of his arm. <laughs> Just turn him into some badass creature, but yeah. Sean, do you have any specific very, villains yeah, that you remember? I very distinctly remember Baxter Stockman. Yeah, definitely. It's sort of the, the fly with all the, the mousers, yep. those, those small robotic, uh, like, they didn't really look like mice. They just sort of looked like little cannibal robots uh, that just had mouths on them. Uh, that and a, there was another villain that was named Leatherhead. Uh... That was the anthropomorphic alligator. Oh yeah, yeah. I had that action yeah, figure. Yeah, well. so yeah. clearly my parents never would buy me Shredder, but right all of the yeah. secondary ones. Yeah. So I, I I remember those two villains kind of in addition to the the guys that we've we've talked about now. But I will say that on some of my uh, my most recent travels, uh, when I was abroad, I was walking with again Melanie Harker, and we were walking through the the streets of Reykjavik, Iceland. And she points up at the top of a stop sign that had like the, the, the cap that was on the stop sign had been pulled yeah. off and nestled inside was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure. And she's like, are you seeing okay. this? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know what? I like Iceland. Yeah. Pretty Iceland's cool place. Pretty chill. Pretty chill place. Yeah. Man, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, I, t- I had a ton of those villain figures. I'm trying to remember if I can uh, associate them with the cartoons at all. I feel like there was like one guy that was like a walking trash pile or something weird like that. Oh, wow. But I don't know. They're all getting mixed up in my memory now. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I will say one that it's like one of the main villains in the entire series and one that we'll actually get to talk about tonight is the evil warlord from Dimension X, Krang. Krang, yes. when that thing came on TV for the first time, that blew my little kid mind because I was just like, what the hell is this thing? What is this voice? What is happening? It didn't make sense. Shredder! So it was so disturbing. It was just like a little pink brain with tentacles coming out of it and fangs. It was one of the scariest things I ever saw as a kid. And it wasn't, I don't know if it was intended to be or not, but it's creepy as hell. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Oh, yeah. And when he starts, he's wheeling around on what looks like a camera tripod, like pushing himself <laughs> yeah. around on his like little, little like brain little arms. Thing, right? Yeah. And he, he's always just like being plopped disgustingly into like different machines that he pilots around and i love that in, in the episode that we're going to talk about tonight he just yells at shredder for not having his new body ready and he just this body God. this is one of the toys that i had was that that plastic bodysuit thing for krang like its arms didn't move i think they like rotated but that was it his little stomach thing opened up that little clear plastic uh window it's just such a bizarre looking creation i can't believe they ever made a toy out of it Watching this now, I don't understand why they decided to make Krang's bodysuit look like Sloth from the Goonies <laughs> with, an, with an adult diaper and hospital booties on. And he's got, he's got like a little it's so creepy. It's one of the weirdest designs ever. And I think the new movie actually did a pretty decent job at trying to make that somewhat believable and not just complete shit. Um, but yeah, watching that in the cartoon again just definitely made me laugh. Brought back some good chuckles. Um, do you guys want to get into these episodes here? Yeah, let's get cool. into them. So the first one we have is the season one finale, 
It's the fifth episode, as Jason mentioned. It's called Shreddered, Shredder and Splintered. And it is titled such because, as Jason mentioned earlier with the, uh, the origin of this whole story, this finale kind of comes to, uh, Splinter and Shredder kind of come to blows. They have a pretty, it was, it was pitched to me as an epic fight. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it that after having watched it. But we can talk about no. it. We can talk about it. I may have oversold the quality of the fight on this one, <laughs> It was early stages. It was season one. So. But does it bother anybody else that it was named uh, Shredder and Splintered and not Shredder and Splinter or Shredded and yeah. Splintered? Like, what? why was it mixed up? No, as up? you could tell from me flubbing the title at the introduction to this episode, it still bothers me probably for the rest of my life now. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to, like, mix their tenses here, but it was, uh, it was pretty irritating. But basically the whole premise of this one is that Shredder and his foot soldiers have been wreaking havoc kind of in the city. The turtles have been going out to put a stop to it, but they're also trying to stay kind of in the shadows. They haven't come out to the city yet and revealed themselves as the heroes that they are and because they're also really kind of creepy and terrifying for the the lay person so the news report is all over the fact that these crazy events are happening in the city there's like weird tornadoes and there's a lot of crime and there's a lot of destruction and there's also sightings of these four weird turtle things so in the midst of all that shredder kind of comes on tv and broadcasts somehow like directly towards the turtles and basically says you know it's time for me and Splinter to have our final match to see who's really the best of the best. And he also happens to have this device that will turn Splinter back into a human. And that, I'm assuming throughout this first season, that is something the Turtles and Splinter himself had probably wanted to achieve. Yeah, Sean. So, I just, I want to be clear. We have, we have disasters that are going on, we have disasters that are occurring all around the city. We have this rogue band of purple sock-headed uh, foot soldiers Check. that are running around causing mm-hmm. terror. We have a, a, a weird silver cheese grater samurai guy running around. Yep. And we have, a, we have a brain. We just have a brain and a, that, that lives inside of a, a giant circle with an eye on top yeah, of it underneath the ground. <laughs> and we're fucking <laughs> concerned about four turtles like that's the that's where we drew the line we're just like oh no no no, it's a brain but we've got brains but t- turtles don't as- turtles have brains but they're not like human brains it looks like a big brain like that's the line that we drew in the sand come on new york city you guys are fucking better than this they just don't trust them they don't trust those no good turtles <laughs> there were some there were some fantastic lines when they were like interviewing the people on the like the, the random person on the street there's like some old lady yeah, yeah. who's just like, I don't trust them rotten turtles. They're disgusting and I don't trust them. Send them back where they and came then they cut from. And then they cut to a woman from like the Jersey Shore and her who's boyfriend that's got like an imploded off. face. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, turtles, I love them. I'm going to be a turtle when I grow yeah, up. Exactly. <laughs> that was real bad. But along the way, oh, like they're, they're, they're ready to come out and say like, look, we're the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They call themselves that a number of times. Um, we're here, we're defending the city, we want to help. And April is like pretty much the only person on their side. So hot, hot ass reporter April is like, I mm. love these turtles mm. and we're going to do reports and we're going to make them, we're going to reveal them as the good guys that they are. So it's kind of a couple different things going on at this, at this point. Uh, overall, what did you guys think of this particular episode? I actually thought it was fairly strong, stronger than I thought it would be coming back to it like 20, 30 years later. 
So I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought they wrapped up some of the things that got yeah. started, uh, you know, at the beginning of this short little little five episode run. Um, there's more uh, random things in it that make no sure. sense than what my little kid brain remembered. <laughs> oh my god! Um, people in this show just seem to know everything that's going on, no matter what. Like Shredder and Krang have a camera that can see anywhere, anything. <laughs> um, and then like the turtles are fighting in one part of the city, and we'll know that. Things are going to hell in another part of the city, and there's no explanation for how they have this knowledge. No, I love it, though, because there's... The, the one thing I didn't like about this show, I'll say that before I get into the stuff I did like, the music and the effects were, like, insulting to my intelligence. It was like watching an old... <laughs> it was like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon. It was like... There were so many, like, boinks and bongs and these weird sound effects and this kind of, like, goofy synth carnival music that was like if they would have chosen a different music for this particular episode it actually could have had a little bit of like dramatic tension to it and yeah, yeah there's jokes and yeah it's a funny cartoon and it's meant for a younger audience but they're basically trying to prevent these super bad guys from opening a portal to a dimension where there's a giant army waiting to come in and wipe the world out it's not exactly the right. like like easy fun popcorn stuff yeah jason and I, I actually really appreciated the plot device of the uh, the thing that can turn them back into can like reverse the yeah, mutation, cool. the retro mutagen device. I think exactly. is what they call it. Which is just a straight uh, up it's gun. The, it's the pointed at their head. <laughs> it's the thing that can save Splinter, can turn him back into a right. human, but it's also the thing that can destroy the turtles and turn them back into turtles. So I thought that tension could have been really interesting uh, if the rest of the show wasn't wasn't. <laughs> made no sense yeah, they had a really cool conceit for the episode overall where it's basically like shredder is saying you know come come and basically to splinter come and get me if you can best me in battle you can have this uh device back that'll turn you back into a human but it's also at the same time very obviously a trap for the turtles so all of them actually go off in search of uh to, to go to the technodrome to find shredder and to get this device so that you can turn splinter back into a human but there's a problem there's actually something that breaks the turtles up which that, again, is a plot device. It was a little weird, a little silly. But I thought it was interesting because once you break this team up, they don't quite function as well as they normally do. So this is where, to Woods' point earlier in the episode, he said that uh, Donatello is pretty much the one that saves them all the time. And he more or less does in this one. Now, I know you watched a few more episodes. Did you happen to see the neutrinos at all? Did they show up? So what I, I think they were, because they mentioned them in right. this, they left like a car. Yeah, like a hover car. So yeah. I... I I did not, they weren't in the episodes that I see, but if I remember correctly, that, that like extra technology came from Dimension X. Like it was, it was introduced along with where Krang exactly. was uh, brought in. Yeah, I think so. They, they definitely I, mentioned the neutrinos. good old home dimension. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were from Dimension X. I remember they came in. I, I didn't remember much about them, but they had like this hover car, which is a weird thing to introduce only five episodes in, and you've already introduced floating brains, bodysuits, shredder ninjas, foot clan, technodrome. All kinds of crazy stuff. Well, they, they introduce uh, General Trag, who is the, like, the, the granite stone soldier from, who's like, the, in, in command of General X. They never mention him by, no. they never really kind of refer to him or, or get into his name, but I remember this character very really? distinctly. Like, he comes up in other episodes, and he comes up in the comic books. No, every I didn't remember him at all. He looked like a faceless, nameless goon. Yeah. Because they were all like they, that entire like series of like rock soldiers right. uh, that Krang controls in Dimension X are almost all like identical, yeah. and 
you know, they're, they're only ever identified by the one who speaks. And that was, that was pretty much the, the entire point of it. But it's just, they throw so much at you in that. And I, I, I have to say, I, I have to go with both of you on this. Like, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of, there were a lot of really good things that were in this episode. Was it a little anticlimactic for the end of a five-part miniseries? Yeah. Were there, like, a couple major flubs that were in this? Yeah. Was it still really fun? Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see that, like, that, that there was, I guess, the seed of a really enjoyable show that was about to kind of yeah, blossom. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great start, and this was a, a pretty decent end for that introduction, too. I just, I really think they could have made it so much better just with a different choice of music, like something that simple yeah. could, have been, could have been great. Now, there was definitely humor to be found, too. I don't want to make it sound like it was this super dark thing that was just tried to be lightened up with the music. I want to talk about some of these gross-out scenes. So, <laughs> so oh, one God. of them starts with uh, Woodsy's friends, Bebop and Rocksteady, and they're actually pretty formidable early on. They're, they seem to be a lot stronger than the turtles, at least one-on-one. They have some crazy weaponry with them that kind of keeps the turtles pinned down. And then the turtles resort to some kind of... It's not as gross as the next thing we'll talk about, but they resort to some sort of like gross environmental usage to take out Bebop and Rocksteady. So do you guys remember this fight? Anything stick out from the fight it, for you? It's like the uh, the Turtles version of a Three Stooges yes. cartoon. Like they, they dump them in a dumpster yeah, first. Trash. And then yeah, <laughs> and then tip the like dump truck that it's sitting in over. And for some reason, just sitting in the trash yeah. stuns them. Like I don't know <laughs> if it was the disgustingness of the smell or the realization that they're sitting in trash that's been <laughs> in a dump truck forever. Like I'm not sure quite why, but they're, they're almost like sitting still with birds flying around their head. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an odd Because choice. you would think yeah. they, don't, they don't really seem to be too up on the hygiene true, front. True. Yeah. And so you would think that the trash would be right in their wheelhouse regarding olfactory. You would think. And then you, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> as a doctor, you normally park your garbage truck right next to your cement mixer. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to have one, you have to they have They've got to be right other. next to each other and ready to go at a moment. For just notice. such an occasion. But also you need to have uh, cement that is somehow just as easy to shake off of you as as the trash from the dumpster because the having cement poured on them does no, nothing zero. to them but the trash really bothered these guys well it all depends what kind of cement it is it could have been quick dry i mean it could have been instant dry I and mean, we don't really know that's the that's the problem you know if we had a little bit more information maybe maybe it is really easy look i'm going to throw sure. this out there when was the last time that you guys poured cement on yourself uh. And can you tell me how easily? Sean, you said there'd be no personal questions in this episode. Okay. Well, just one. I think we can go. I actually have never poured cement. I've never poured cement. I've only ever poured cartoon cement on myself, and it was pretty easy to get out of. So, was it? Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Since the consistency looks the exact same as cartoon trash and cartoon sewage. Exactly right. Cartoon sewage. So that's the next gross out. That brings us into our that's next one. That's the next gross out. There's some cool fights that kind of happen in the meantime, but for the, the big stuff, the big gross out stuff, this is the turtles versus the foot soldiers. Uh, who? So I'm, I'm going to... Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I might... I might I'm going to politely agree to disagree with you on whether or not this was an interesting fight scene because turtles arrive at the Technodrome yeah. and nobody's around. Uh, true. Like nobody... nobody There's no security. Nobody's Zero out security. there. And nobody, and you think to yourself, are Bebop and Rocksteady really like the only security system that they have for this massive underground lair 
that they have that's just rolling around. No, it's not. They have foot soldier bikers that they mention and call out Which by name. I didn't get because... Foot soldier did, bikers did who... anyone no, see a bike? No, the foot soldiers are walking yeah. with did tanks, see a bike but they call anywhere? them foot soldier bikers. <laughs> there, there was there's no, no bike, motorcycle, Dave. There's no You're tricycle. There's, there's no... no unicycle. Nothing. <laughs> no. Foot soldier bikers. There's nothing. They're and, literally hanging... The turtles, and, the three of them that are there, everybody except Don... Don's off looking for plutonium and making weapons and just putting shit together for some reason that is not explained. Um, yeah. But the, the rest of the turtles are hanging from the side of the Technodrome that they use a ever-present grappling hook to get into. <laughs> <laughs> which, which can, can we just sure. discuss where on their body do you think that grappling well, hook is stored, doctor, right? Because those turtles are naked, assumed, right? Dr. Turtles, that it was The only shell. clothing they have on. It's a storage compartment in their shell, is that not correct? Uh, the shell doesn't work that way. I assumed... The only place what? that they would have to hide that is some Hold orifices, on. which was my Hold gross out. If I take a turtle in the world and I peel its shell back, you're telling me they don't have all kinds of cool stuff hidden in there? No. No. You wish they would. Interesting. Wait, so you're telling me... I mean, if I had been designing being, these things... So you're telling me, as a human yeah. being that has a grapple hook stored in an yeah. orifice <laughs> that I should have been putting it in a turtle. As long as it's collapsible. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <gasps> Just go pick up your friendly neighborhood turtle and tell him he's got to carry the grappling hook for you. Damn it. I've been... Uh, you, guys aren't, like, you guys aren't sponsored by PETA, are you? I've yeah. been using neighborhood yeah. turtles as yeah. a portable storage device for years, so... <laughs> it's worked pretty well for me. Have you just... Have you just been storing turtles or putting storage in turtles? No, no, I've been, I've been storing other turtles inside larger turtles. <laughs> so it's like a rushing nest yeah, of turtles. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> useless, but uh, it keeps the turtle population down. Yeah, okay, so foot soldier bikers where there's no bikes to be found. Doesn't make sense, but it's fine. Right. Um, the, but they, they have tanks. I think they had the turtles tank. Are, are, I think are, they had tank. They had, okay, they had yeah. tank. Singular. And as the turtles are climbing into the yeah. Technodrome, the tank shoots them and hits the Making Technodrome. Making a bigger hole next to the smaller <laughs> Making hole. Making another fucking hole. <laughs> In order to keep them like, out of the You guys are the worst henchmen. It was pretty bad. Um, but my favorite yeah. was probably the part where they, they just decide to drop down to the ground anyway, engage them in hand-to-hand combat uh, until they get overwhelmed and decide to just wash them all away in a tide of raw sewage. Gross out and, moment number and two. They, they have close-ups of the oh, yeah, raw like sewage chunky. hitting two of the foot soldiers right yep. in the face. And it's like real chunky and brown. It's real gross stuff, ladies and gentlemen. But hey, it gets the job and done. Just imagine the volume of raw sewage that a, you need to uh, wash away a, a tank. It was a lot. And these turtles have probably just like ruined... Look, when the Technodrome either crawled or drilled or smashed its way into this area beneath the city... They had a blessing that they did not smash those sewage lines open sooner, right? They were intact, they were <laughs> all together, and the sewage was flowing like it normally does. No problem. Until these fucking turtles come in and decide that's how they're going to wipe out this half dozen foot soldiers with a massive tide of raw sewage that is going to ruin the city's infrastructure for weeks, if not months to come. It's very well known that Shredder and Krang were environmentally conscious with the placement of the Technodrome, and they did not like to leak sewage. No, they were responsible villains from another dimension. Uh, but the turtles, not so much. They're just straight-up jerks. So now we've got, we've got a couple other battles going on, right? So at this point, Splinter has sort of like found his own way into the Technodrome without use of grappling hooks or tank blasting or raw sewage, and he is now engaging Shredder 
in a pretty a pretty decent fight. I'm going to throw this back to Woodsy because I think I think you enjoyed this fight, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so this this was actually one of the ways I build this episode yeah. to you because I was like it's the first time you get to see Shredder and uh, and Splinter yeah. fight. Now, the fight's a little bit unrealistic cuz there's there's like 5 foot 2 Ratman wielding a <laughs> stick he picked up off Which the Which is ground. perfectly normal. <laughs> fighting fighting shredder who in addition to wielding the blades that are on him pulls out like a scimitar and and somehow splinter's magic stick breaks this sword in half after like so they essentially have what amounts to a sword fight between a stick and a scimitar although all the while splinter is giving him his like uh, martial arts maxims of things like soft will will always turn aside yes, hard. The gentle way, um, always and telling prevails. him that, yeah. uh, and telling him that that he's lost his way and that that he'll never win because because he's not following Splinter's teachings right. anymore. Um, all the while he's fending himself off with with a twig. Yeah. Hey, it's working pretty well for him. I mean, I can't I can't knock him there. I was actually surprised that like Splinter never looked like he was in any danger. Shredder was just kind of having his ass handed to him at at every stage of this. So. For me, it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of tension going on. It was just, I loved watching Splinter try to, like, sneak in and just, like, like a sneaky little rat just try to take that mutagen gun away from him. <laughs> that, that, that anti... Uh, retro mutagen something-something. Retro mutagen. Right. The, uh, the retro mutagen ray yeah. that is on a podium with a light on <laughs> top like of it right in the, the middle of a room, rotating <laughs> around. What a great display, though. Like, Look, you cannot knock Shredder for not having a good setup. The guy knows how to, he knows how to light his guns. Did either of you remember Shredder being this technologically competent? No, like, so he, no, he starts the fight with several holograms yeah, of himself. Yeah, good. He was like uh, Ganondorf and in then, there. <laughs> And and then he, the way that that Shredder uh, you know finishes it because it's clear he's getting beat right. by Splinter he gets called away uh, by Krang who who we'll get to and then he pulls out some device that creates like an a, a electric cage just out of yeah. thin air that that surrounds Splinter I, I did not remember Shredder having I mean, I'm, this. I'm assuming this all that tech comes from Krang and from uh, Dimension X and from all the, the the stuff in the Technodrome and then Shredder being just like a good villain. Just uses that to his advantage. Yeah. So the, the I, I I'm I'm I see where Jason is going with this because there is that moment where Krang is being put into his new body. Oh and yeah, he's like, you're right. Shredder. He's like Shredder. Shredder. Is my new body. Shredder. Shredder. Is my new body ready? And he's just like, yes, yeah. it's ready no, now. You're totally right. And so, and then at that point, he's like put in this chip in the shoulder and he's like well let me just pop open this usb socket that's in the <laughs> fucking the, the, the ball joint of your seven <laughs> multi-port for it's like a for villains. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous and so like there, there was a part of me that was led to believe that shredder created the body that krang is in and then frankensteined it to oh, life. and like 100% and, Frankenstein to two, to the point that he was even like, it's oh, alive! Yeah. Alive! Right. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, like, some of those moments are, are campy, yes, but, I mean, I, I don't know, sort of like the, the very subtle nods to, to other literary and movie references that were in there. As watching them as an adult now, I'm just kind of like, eh, I see where the humor is. Like, I, I think I would have enjoyed this I didn't get it when right. I was a kid, but I'm I'm enjoying no, it. No, definitely now. to Woodsy's point though. I mean, yeah, apparently Shredder has like a degree in biotechnology and cybernetics and 
uh, terrible bodysuit construction. Uh, so we can blame it's, Shredder it's, for that design. That's why the Japanese schools are so much better I mean, than American true. schools, because in addition to learning to be a ninja, you can learn how to build a supervillain's new Which, body. Which, actually, this thing is pretty sweet, all right? So Krang, by himself, pretty worthless. Basically just the little brain, can't really do much by himself. But if you put him in this bodysuit that can, oh, I don't know, grow to like 100 times its normal size and swap out hands for hooks and blades and all kinds of crazy stuff, that's not too bad. That's actually pretty good. Um, did, you see, did anybody else see at one point that his, thanks to his molecular amplification yeah, chip, uh, his hands turned into meat cleavers and, and at like one pruning point shoes. He's, using to, yeah, he's using to fight <laughs> off the turtles with meat now, cleavers. Now, here's what I don't get, right? So the turtles, three of the turtles are going up against Krang. Krang's got this massive bodysuit. And basically, he's just trying to squash the turtle so he can finish powering up this portal so he can bring his, war, um, his warriors in from Dimension X and take over Earth. Why the fuck would he, when he has the turtles, um, not outnumbered, but basically outmaneuvered and outgunned, why would he then, did he fly? Did he just grow tall enough that he could climb out of the hole? He just left them behind and he took the battle up to the streets above made zero sense to me so this was really confusing yeah. to me because they are underground and he has got yeah. them cornered and then all of a sudden they're on he the just, surface he just grew and then just climbed out of the hole and then they use their again ever-present grappling hook and just climbed up there after zero sense zero yeah sense. and then and then they get up there and just as quickly as they've arrived on the surface krang is like shredder let's go and he gets <laughs> on he gets on the robot sloth body that Krang has, and his wings. Now, mind you, he's been using his hands as little meat, as little tiny <laughs> meat cleavers. Tiny not little. like big, oversized yeah. meat cleavers. Little tiny meat cleavers. He turns not just his hands now, but his entire arms of this body into wings of a plane, and then they fly back down into the, like, back down well, into that's, the Well, that's how they escaped. But before they did all that, uh, Donatello actually finally comes up and makes his uh, sort of deus ex machina rescue of the, the three turtles. So Donatello, I thought he was just over here in Baxter's lab working on fixing the hover car. No, no. He just decided that from scratch, he's just going to make a brand new vehicle for the turtles to fly around. He in. makes the turtle blimp. Which is fantastic, but like, Jesus, maybe you should have like told somebody that's what you're doing, because they've been getting their asses handed to them. <laughs> They're covered in raw sewage and garbage. And you've just been tinkering around all day, making a blimp, of all things. Now, I love it, though, because it was kind of like this, um, it was almost like a King Kong kind of battle, where they have this blimp, and then it turns into a glider, and I think it was Raph and Mikey who were trying to like figure out how to pilot the glider, right? While uh, Leo and Don actually crawl inside the giant bodysuit. And disable it from right. inside. I thought that was really cool. They had like neat layers and, and levels and stages of this, uh, this kind of dramatic conclusion um, that eventually ends with Krang's bodysuit shrink shrinking back down to size. And then like Sean said, they fly back into the Technodrome. But there's more. Go ahead, Woodsy. Something that I really appreciated on this. So I, um, I will believe essentially any rules that a new fantasy or sci-fi world puts okay. out. But like once, once they lay them out, I'd, I'd like them to follow yes. them. So I appreciated that they had a nod to something that like would have been a real world problem. So Krang's body grew really right. big. They get inside of it. They destroy this trip, 
this chip and then it's shrinking and they didn't just sort of like shrink with it or get outside they actually have to escape before the body shrinks back to normal size and they're like killed in the process the so like, soup, yeah. i appreciated that nod to all right let's we've already accepted that there's there's mutant yep. turtles and there's brains with tripods yep. for bodies uh and shredder uh can learn how to be a ninja and a biotechnologist <laughs> at the yep. same time but like physics still works here and we're going to discuss it yeah i liked it and that was it was just those things in this particular episode that there were a lot of really cool moments um like i said the action isn't even done yet because they can still actually open this portal so don still has one little trick left to play which i thought was pretty cool pretty cool way to, to kind of end this whole thing and adds an extra wrinkle to the end john how, what was your take with how don kind of flipped the script on the bad guys at the end it really so in at the very end they, they kind of they the turtles go back down into the technodrome they kind of sneak attack shredder and krang and in this moment it cuts to the scene of donatello opening up a, a panel a control panel and swapping out a bunch of different yeah. controls and motherboards and it it really looks like he's just doing stuff to he's do just stuff fucking around they yeah. he's just he's like i hope yeah. this works and then at the very end they're just like suddenly He's like, oh well, I I reversed the you know the the teleportation uh, portal that they had created to suck the Technodrone into Dimension X, yeah. and so now now they're stuck in Dimension X, and you're just like, how did you learn? You know what? You created a blimp in about yep. three minutes. You know what? I'll give it to you. you no, it was you got cool it. because you when, when the portal was open, you started to see the army kind of marching through already, and you're like, oh shit, how are they going to do right. this? And then, yeah, the whole thing literally just like folds in on itself. And I love the fact that you even get a scene in Dimension X where Krang is, that was Krang the best. is super that was the best. excited and Shredder is so pissed. Go ahead, Woodsy. This is my favorite line from the entire the show because Krang is telling, telling Shredder that, that uh, well, you know, it's not so bad because now they get to conquer this yeah. dimension. And Shredder goes, but I don't want to conquer this dimension. And then, oh, so he had a, he had a second line. Oh, he was so whiny. At this point, he's so whiny. Well, I don't want to conquer this place. I want to conquer Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so whiny. And then Krang, Krang sums, he goes, it was something about like, uh, I don't take orders from you. And Krang goes, we shall see. And then it just cuts, cuts away done. from them. Kind of like getting ready for like 1940 <laughs> style boxing for no reason. Just kind of like a put up your Duke style. Like, I'm going to yep. say this. After having watched this episode as my foray back into something that is very nostalgic in my heart, I feel like I know as much martial arts as Shredder after watching him do battle, <laughs> and I've never taken a single fucking martial arts class. Like, this guy is a bad but ninja. Maybe he was just such a bad ninja that he decided to like brush up on his science bodysuit building skills, and that it explains it. Is that like a ninja track? Like, I guess it was. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. minor. Smoke bombs, stealth. Body construction. <laughs> Body construction. Alien warlords exactly. from Dimension X. It's very specific. Very yeah, specialized. Very specific. Very but hey, specialized. it worked out. His career path is doing well for him. And who can really say that they're doing the thing that they got their That's degree true. Just in? Shredder. Just Fair Shredder. Fair enough. I know we're getting a little short on time, but we did watch another episode specifically for one character who we have not talked about at great length yet. Uh, Woodsy. Stephen Amell? Uh, yeah, Stephen Amell showed up. 
<laughs> I vastly prefer the cartoon version to the Stephen Amell. Vastly. Yeah, so I, uh, in looking through the episode list, this is the first appearance of Casey Jones, who who I remember being one of my favorite characters. I do not remember he, him being this much of a he's, psychopath. He's a literal He is psychopath. a scary, mentally disconnected man. And he's, and he's terrifying. Who talks like Adam he's West. so strong. And like, like no, Dirty Harry. And like a weird combination of the two. That's, and this doesn't come until the 23rd episode of the third season. That's crazy that it took this long to see Casey Jones. It's even crazier when you right? realize how and, fucking crazy he actually is. And they discuss nothing about any sort of origin no. story or why he just all of a sudden waltzes in and decides he's going <laughs> to clean up the city up. from you lawbreakers. Yeah. I, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. He is a cross between Dirty Harry and Jason Voorhees from the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. uh, movie franchise, and uh, the BTK yeah. killer. He's like, like, I mean, he is as <laughs> mentally unstable <laughs> as all three of these fuckers if put you together. Had a, a psychopath, like a, a literal textbook, I guess, definition psychopath, who also was a serial killer, but then decided that in his own mind wanted to be a vigilante for quote-unquote, his brand of justice, that would be Casey Jones. This guy is so unhinged that he even, like, he'll attack the turtles, but then he thinks they're Martians, but then he just goes on and attacks them anyway. And then the turtles are just, like... He is equally as angry at robbers as he is at homeless people yeah, sleeping on park benches. Yeah, dead asleep <laughs> in the middle of a park. Law and he puts breaker. him in a fall Nelson! He's about to snap that guy in half. We're talking Casey Jones lifted and shoulder-pressed a full refrigerator full of food over his head on a roof and then proceeded to smash an entire department store full of appliances with a baseball bat. This man is not sane. Don't you know there's no loitering in this park? He's not sane. He had s- Machines have to follow the law, follow too. The law. He had so many good lines. I didn't even write most of them down. Let's see. I, I wrote They're it. They're so punny. Uh, Here's all the dough you'll get, lawbreaker. That one is from me. <laughs> He, so he's stopping the robbery of a bakery. Oh, they were so good. One I love, I love these criminals, the dude. These criminals that all have a sweet tooth. <laughs> the guy that fucking jacks somebody up in an alley to ask if he has any bubble gum in his pocket. The dude asks for, like, a prune pastry. <laughs> a prune Danish. He asks for a prune Danish. A prune and Danish the thing and that doesn't make any sense to me is... Is the way Casey Jones stops him is by further vandalizing the place yeah. that is being robbed. He just spills out all of the next day's dough and then smashes a cake yeah, in his face. Which is pretty great, all things considered. He is he is he is using the problem as the solution. <laughs> so I think I think that was best That's that was Casey best Jones. exemplified where so we had one guy who was looking for bubblegum, we had another guy who was looking for a prune danish. Weird. These criminals are weird to begin with. But then we have a couple guys who like break into this like sports, like a gym or like a <laughs> yes. sports store. And then Casey Jones just proceeds to basically beat them to a bloody pulp and destroy the entire place while whipping <laughs> out quips like you could use a little iron in your diet when he drops some weights on them. Or consider this a slam dunk scuzzball. I mean, he throws a human being, but first, there's a really weird butt shot that occurs in this moment. He throws a dude butt first through, through like, through the bucket, uh, like through a basketball hoop, and the guy is just like stuck there. Like, 
any human being who gets stuck like that probably could just put their hands down and then just kind of like forcibly or, push or you've had your, your spine just like snapped in half or and are, are asphyxiating exactly. yourself at this point <laughs> yeah. i think i would just stay up there i don't oh, want to go back down there with that insane. man he's a, an actual crazy oh. person uh they, they do make uh, he, uh at one point i think raf says this guy's seen too many filthy hairy movies which is funny because I guess they couldn't say Dirty Harry, but Filthy Probably. Harry? They, they didn't filthy Harry? He's, he's the lesser known, uh, worse yeah, off cousin of worse. Dirty Harry. Well, let's, let's get into filth and <laughs> disgusting filth. and things that I would consider okay. problems. Because let's talk about the Ninja Turtles when they are dressed in their coats and their hats and, and their, their gloves. Noses? And the fact that And the fact that they cannot get their color coordination down. I thought they I did. I thought they had I thought they had their color they, coordination. They, no? Oh, no, I no, only, no, no, The only time I noticed not. it was when Don took his uh, purple hat and gloves off. I, I was like, oh, okay, he's, this, they're all color coordinated. I guess I was wrong. This, this aggravated me as much as Voltron okay. aggravated me and, and Beast King Go Lion, and this was something that as Jason and I are watching it, we're sitting there screaming at the television. Michelangelo <laughs> had matching yeah. hats yeah. undershirt and okay. mittens none of the other ninja turtles the other three we were talking wow. leonardo uh donatello and Raphael, yeah. had it was the undershirt oh. the undershirt that they had were completely in, different in fact leonardo turtles. is wearing a shirt the color of donatello's hat and i just i don't understand quality control i don't get quality it quality control does not have to i didn't notice it so this occurs <laughs> This occurs while they're trying to go out and look for pepperoni because <laughs> this say, is their big emergency was, is there's no pepperoni. So they got to dress like, like idiots to go to the surface at 5 a.m. to find it. And Casey Jones discovers them uh, and thinks now, they're going to go. Now, hold on. Why does he discover them? Because apparently he hangs out at the, like, in the rafters of a sewer system in the middle right. of the night. Like a Makes sane sense. person. Because, oh, and if you need to escape from somebody who has uh, bested you in a fight in the sewer, it would be in your best interest to punch a hole in the wall in order to run away. <laughs> the fuck are you that doing? Badass, that, that was so cool. Badass. I was like, what? Was how is he going to punch a is hole he just in gonna... the solid brick wall? <laughs> this only occurs after uh, what I think is more disgusting than any of the moments of the really? first one, where his technique for fighting this battle is to pick up sewer oh, yeah. filth. And throw it in the turtles' faces. Oh, Mikey or somebody had a line. Slip. Oh, they had a line. Oh, that's the game we're playing. Well, this yes. is my game. I'm gonna mudslinger. Mud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're oh, not slinging God. mud, there, Chief. That's excrement. <laughs> that is human. Yeah, that's shit. That's shit right excrement. there. That's straight up shit. Uh, a real quick aside for April O'Neil and her uh, nightgown. Mm, mm. Let's get. It. I, you beat nice, me to it. Nice I'm so happy done. that we're going nightgown. there. We're on the same page. Hey, if you gotta wake up at five in the end, you can still be fashionable. Yeah, why her not? Color coordinated nightgown that is the same color as her jumpsuit. She, she has a Sharon Stone style like crotch swing across the front of the camera shot too, which a little racy for a children's. Ladies and gentlemen show. at home, if you're playing along, if you go back and slow that down frame by frame, you <laughs> won't see anything because it's a children's cartoon. <laughs> but no, it was, it was pretty good to like call her at five in the morning and just be like, "Oh, I'm April O'Neil in my nightgown." Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I don't think her and Casey Jones do they get together in the cartoon ever? I don't, I don't know. So. They certainly don't no, in this episode. Nobody should because both of them like April's fine, <laughs> but Casey's like completely batshit. 
Speaking of bad shit, so the, the uh, plot in this story, which we haven't even talked about yet, it's like... Because it's what? insane. This, I will it's say, insane. by the time we got to this episode, the whatever seriousness and, and dramatic tone was in the first one has been left far, far, far behind. This is very silly. It's very um, slapstick. There are multiple times, at least I probably lost count at five, if not a half dozen, multiple times where there's literal fourth wall breaking the turtles are talking oh my directly God, that's to right. you, or they're talking to each other, like characters talking to each other across scenes, which I really didn't like. It was very much like that comedic oh, thing. Yeah. Like when, when April, so April's being assaulted by like all these machines that have gone rogue because Krang, uh, Krang has these weird little bugs, literal bugs, that find their way into machines and then they can uh, control them for Krang. So April's being attacked. She's like, where the hell are the turtles and why aren't they doing anything about this? There's a literal split screen that happens. Raph is like hanging off of something and he's like we're doing the best we can or some kind of sort of like weird quip like that and yeah. it's just these weird bizarro moments of fourth wall breaking characters talking to each other across time and space just very cartoonish and uh, I just wasn't as impressed with this one as the earlier one yeah there is a moment where Bebop and Rocksteady yes. jump off of the back of a, yep. a subway train car land near the tracks and look directly at the screen and say kids don't do this at home we're trained professionals and then just walk off yes. screen and you're like what 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 did that set like what 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 did that scene serve i get that as like a PSA doing because maybe they didn't want actual kids doing this actual thing but it was just like really bizarre if, if they would have done that once so in they, the episode i would have forgiven it but the fact that they kept coming back to it it was just like nah yeah and then they they i mean that's crazy enough, but that's just like a bad writing kind of thing. And then there, and then there are things like whatever Krang wanted to build this time around. Now I'm not familiar with the normal size knucklehead, but apparently it's like this giant, <laughs> the giant knucklehead, <laughs> like super knucklehead, which is like a giant picture of tank, but that's a spider. So if you're thinking of uh, Wild Wild West. Yeah, you're kind of correct. Ugh, but then yeah. at the ends of each of those uh, spider legs, put a boxing glove on them for some reason. Yeah, like an old-timey cartoony old-timey boxing, boxing, glove boxing glove. That sometimes is a boxing glove, but sometimes has sometimes fingers. Sometimes has yes. fingers. It's very, very <sighs> bizarre. And then, just to make matters worse, put a squishy little brain creature in the cockpit of this thing and let him pilot it with his weird, creepy-ass tentacles. That's, I mean, if, <laughs> if this all sounds completely insane to you, then welcome to this show, because it's... A lot of shit is happening, and none of it makes sense. Can can I? I wanted to point out one. Uh, so at, at this point, we've we've mentioned these yeah. little bugs um, that are getting into anything that has uh, electronics in it, and it's taking them over. And then there, are, these machines are right. revolting. Oh, things things like what, and, John? Uh, like a VCR, or a fucking toaster, uh, or or a toaster, like a boombox, a toaster with exploding <laughs> bread. I love that so right. much. Thank you, thank you. So at one point, at one point, when Jason and I are watching this, there is a scene where there is a VCR yeah. that is on top of a table that has uh, legs, and the legs at the very end have right. casters, so little right. little wheels. So it's moving around, and so it is attacking right. one of the turtles, and it is spitting out multiple VHS uh-huh. tapes. I'm like, hey. You can only ever get one VHS tape inside of a VCR at a time. Let's understand. Let's understand how the 80s and the early 90s worked. All right. 
followed by the fact that it is controlling the VCR. And this is where, this is where I drew the line in whether I could believe this or not. I was like, that table doesn't have any electronics on it. Neither do those wheels. How the fuck is that table moving? The table has no working parts in it. There are refrigerators that are walking like people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on right, board. I can follow that. But it's a table with casters that's rolling and walking around. I'm just like, I don't fucking buy it. I draw the line. also somehow managed to make the boombox. I love that. Like, it's a flying (laughs) boombox now. Which they, in the first episode, call a ghetto blaster, I believe, at one point. Yes, yes. Which was amazing. So bad, but amazing. Uh, So So these bugs... Uh, these bugs have taken over everything, and they have this scene where where Shredder is asking what happens yeah, if they they're have discovered, a weird and Krang says, "Built into them." Don't yeah. worry if they're discovered; they immediately come for home, which Bravo. makes no sense because that clearly yeah. gives away makes where you sense. are. Sure. Um, so the turtles finally find one of these things after Casey Jones right. saves them, and immediately look at it and go. Oh, Shredder is using these to control all the machinery <laughs> in the city. Like, like picking up a tiny bug is that yeah. obvious. He's like, we only got 22 minutes of this episode, so let's just get right to it. They do, they do make a mention, uh, like, well, of- I wonder who is in, involved with this one. Probably our old friends. Yeah. Uh, speaking of short of time, as well as also we've mentioned lazy writing, uh, at some point in this episode when they finally do confront, when the turtles confront yeah. Shredder, and are just like, give us that controller that controls those yeah. bugs. And he's like, no. They throw a slice of pie in <laughs> his face. And that's what... Oh, it was he's, randomly he's, sitting it was around in his well lair. drawn, high-definition <laughs> slice of cherry pie. You could, look, you cherry could pie. count the individual cherries in this thing. They paid so much fucking attention to this piece of pie a la mode, I might add, because there was a dollop of either ice cream or whipped cream <laughs> yeah. on it. <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> so, so the the turtles have discovered these these little bugs, uh, and they go confront Shredder because they followed the bugs back yes. to him. They steal his remote control, and again, Donnie saving the exactly. day is like, no, 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 I got this. I clearly know how to reprogram all of this now, technology. Casey Jones, they're gonna, they're gonna come to the yeah, remote. And meanwhile, control. Casey Jones has been kind of apprehended by this uh, knucklehead machine because he went after it with a fucking hammer. <laughs> Like a like a barbarian, and it just like grabbed his arms and pinned him to the side, and they were like, "Okay, you just settle down, crazy pants." So that's where he is right now. <laughs> so so the turtles go free him, and then shout that they need a hole in the side of the machine. Meanwhile, he is standing next to a gun port on the side of the machine. There's already a hole there, and what he c- manages to crack the side of this with. Looks exactly the same as the croquet yep. mallet that the guy was trying to steal at the beginning of the episode. So, so this this knucklehead machine, all powerful, shooting lasers with hands that can turn into yep. boxing gloves, but its armor is so weak you can break it with a croquet mallet. <laughs> <laughs> Serious design flaws. There's so many things wrong with this episode, but Casey Jones, <laughs> I have to say, Casey Jones was the biggest surprise. I did not expect him to be such a loose cannon, such an insane mental patient. And the fact that the turtles at one point were like, oh, you saved us. Why don't you come with us now? And they kind of lead him away like an actual like mental patient, like they're going to go get him some help. But no, they just throw him back into the heat of battle. Yeah, go ahead, John. Well, because, you know, I, I did not expect Casey Jones to be wearing a pair of what looked like yeah. Hobo pants, 
a one shoulder pad from like a, a 1970s professional football yep. player and Adelia's crop yep. top. Like, I, what? I don't understand what fashion sense he has. I don't know, but he's he rocking those, that cut off, the cut off sleeve look, man. Pretty sweet. He's got some guns. So on the, on the childhood costumes oh, Casey no. Jones thing after watching <laughs> this as a kid. So so what he's carrying all of his various like sports related weapons in uh, is a is a like tiny golf bag, but but not like what you would carry all of your right. golf clubs in. It was like a little range bag where you might carry right. three or four. So I managed to find one of these at a garage sale when I was in maybe fifth grade, and <laughs> and then variously stole from from my father like <laughs> golf clubs and a wooden baseball bat to keep in this thing. And my intention as a kid was that this was my home nice. security. Like, this is what was oh going to happen. Should anybody ever walk in, was like like little four-foot-tall scrawny Jason was going to walk up holding a baseball bat saying, Lawbreaker. Lawbreaker. <laughs> can, I, can I give you my favorite uh, Casey Jones? I would have paid to see that, actually. You need to make please, that one of please, your, uh, please. your Halloween costumes. <laughs> I love that. But one of my favorite lines from Casey Jones. So a lot of things piss him off, right? Thugs in the alleyway holding up people for their bubble gum. Dudes breaking in trying to steal sporting equipment. Homeless people trying to sleep on a bench in the middle of the night. Uh, the thing that pisses him <laughs> off the worst? Trademark infringement. How That's low right. can you How get? How low can you get? They basically try to make, they make him think <laughs> that Shredder has ripped off his mask. And that's what pisses him off so he goes after <laughs> this thing. It is the stupidest. I mean, I get it as like an in-joke from the writers. With the Friday the 13th reference and the Dirty Harry stuff. And yes, very funny. You're very clever. I'm, I hope you're proud of yourselves. But come on, man. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that I hope Casey Jones got better later on. I actually really like, what was it, Elias Kateas in the, in the live action movie? Yeah. Yes. He was, he yeah, was he good, was great. I remember. Stephen Amell, I haven't. But that is Casey Jones, Mighty Casey at the bat. Anything else from this last episode before we wrap it up? No, nah, I think we could. Jason, anything else from you there, buddy, since this was your uh, your suggestion of both these episodes tonight? Uh yeah, so the what I what I really appreciated about this was that it reminded me a lot of my okay. childhood uh and brought back so many fantastic memories. The first episode yeah. we watched was was great as an adult. Like there was some dramatic tension and as many plot holes as there were, I thoroughly enjoyed it. By the third season, it had, it had, you said this, it had gotten very the, slapsticky, and I don't, I don't think I could sit through very the third many out of those. ten so seasons. I don't know, yeah. yeah, I don't know where that transition occurred, um, but I'd be interested to go back and read the original comics if they're more on the the darker side, kind of like the the first couple episodes were. Um, I think I would cool. really so enjoy. So, would that. you recommend this uh, to listeners out there who have not happened to see this uh, classic cartoon? The first five episode sort of mini arc, absolutely. After that, it's a little gotcha. questionable. John, what about you, bud? You recommend this one? I, I feel the same way. I would definitely recommend this five-part miniseries. Uh, if you have a favorite villain, I would pinpoint yeah. those episodes to, to go and, and track and, and try to figure out where those are located within. Uh, I can't. I, I want to see if, like, the end of the tenth season, if it just sort of becomes Ninja Turtles versus Ren and Stimpy type of slapstick, kind of like John Craig Falusi, like weird insanity. I could see that working well with the whole Casey Jones stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember enough of it to like 
tell you which what happened in which seasons, but for me at least, I'd right. like to go back and check it out. If you've never seen the original series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, definitely go back and watch the first uh, five episodes, like these guys said, and then kind of you can pick and choose as you go. You can you know head on IMDb, look for the higher rated episodes, or like Sean mentioned, look for your favorite villains or favorite moments. Do stuff like find the first appearance of Casey Jones or the first appearance of Baxter Stockman or or things like that. But I have a feeling that uh, nostalgia is not going to quite hold up on this one. Um, so buyer beware. Um, I'd like to thank Jason Woods for being our guest, first ever guest for Mr. Jason Woods here tonight on the podcast. Thank you so much for your suggestion, bud. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been hoping to be on this since the start. Yeah, we'd love to have you back again sometime soon. But uh, in the meantime, would you like the listeners out there to know who you are, what you're up to, where they can find you, where they can send hate mail, anything else? <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a private citizen. You will not find me performing anywhere uh, unless I do a return uh, to this podcast. But I am shortly moving uh, to Denver. So I guess if you want to look me up there and come skiing, you're there you welcome go. You hear to. that Denver, Colorado? Give them a warm welcome. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Sean? As a, as a special uh, turtle gender identification doctor. <laughs> they've, they've had a shortage of that in Denver, as I've heard on the news lately. So I'm glad Absolutely. you're helping out. Absolutely. Lot, lot. A lot of sea turtles Jason in actually works for Turtle Doctors Without Borders, so we really do appreciate his sacrifice. <laughs> uh, Sean, buddy, do you have uh, anything coming up in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, sure. I am going to be performing just about every Saturday night during the month of July uh, for Washington Improv Theater with my improv troupe, Knox. That's N-O-X, exclamation point. You can find out more about showtimes and tickets at witdc.org. I am also in the middle of planning a comedy festival that is going to be in D.C. that will be November 9th through the 13th. Uh, You can find out more information about that at districtimprov.org. And as always, you can find me on Instagram and the Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis. Fantastic. We are going to have all of Sean's information and none of Jason's up on our website. Uh, As for me, you can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me over at Collider.com where I do movie and TV news and reviews. You can check me out on Nerdist as well, where I'm a freelance writer for their science section. Uh, and if you're interested, you can check out some of my short fiction work over at DaveTrumbor.com. As for Saturday Morning Cartoons, if you want to find out more about us, you can head on over to our website. Remember, that's Morning with a U. On Twitter, we are at MorningTunes. We've got our Tumblr page going strong, thanks to Sean's handiwork. You guys have been fantastic over at our Facebook pages and our uh, YouTube account, so keep that up. Uh, Keep the likes coming, keep the comments coming. We love talking to you guys and hearing from you. So uh, thanks for all the Voltron love the last month as well. So we're hoping the Turtles hits that sweet spot for you as well. Each and every week, you can download our free audio podcast through iTunes and Stitcher. And if you'd like to suggest a cartoon for a future episode, you can send us an email, saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com. Now, Sean, buddy, you know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks as we continue our CBS Saturday Morning Cartoon Kids Block. Oh man, we have some very fond memories of some of these things. And that there's are coming some up. weird stuff coming up. It's very, I was pretty very. I was about to show. I, I was about to say I do not have fond memories of this show that we're about to watch, <laughs> which is Ace Ventura: Pet oh, Detective. Boy, what have we done? I don't know. CBS, you got some weird stuff on your on your docket there. Yeah. Weird stuff. Uh, it's I'm you know cool it's strange. It. So we've got Ace Ventura coming up. I don't remember that cartoon a lot. And then we've got Tales from the Crypt Keeper after that, and then a very special guest with a very special series near and dear to his heart. We're gonna have Evan Valentine back to talk Wildcats. Wildcats. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting month here. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, anything else from you guys, real quick, before we wrap it up tonight? 
Oh, I do want to say uh, yeah. really quick, if we do have a, a new social media presence, if you uh, are interested in keeping up with us on Instagram, we are at Saturday Morning Cartoons on Instagram. You can find us. It is me usually taking pictures of the cartoons that we've watched and then putting over top modern day memes because I'm bored at work sometimes. Fantastic. I'm an old man. I don't know anything about that. So you kids out there, check us out on Instagram. <laughs> Until then. Thank you for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.